What's up, guys? It's Mike and Mark here from LRMOnline.com, bringing you another exciting podcast. Um, and we're, today we're going to focus on a couple things that have been kind of bugging me for the past couple weeks now. Um, and it's mainly focusing on the television, but it also applies into the film universe as well. So this is going to be more of a general discussion um, recap. We apologize for not being here last week, but our schedules were too conflicted and basically couldn't get together on a single night that would have been um, beneficial to, to get the podcast out without running over on somebody uh, the other podcasts we have. So we're basically just going to catch everything up here. Um, we didn't really miss out too much on television shows last week. We're kind of talk about them all, but then get into our arguments. But the first argument I really want to discuss with you, Mark, is the, the issue that I saw. So on another website, I'm not going to put it out there because I don't want any negative feedback from them or anything because I don't think it was solely on them, um, is that I think we as fans have become too spoiled and we're becoming too nitpicky that now we want to start changing cast members, start picking out directors and screenwriters. And this kind of goes more, you know, in just general comic book sense, you know. Um, and the article I was reading about was just basically a bash article on Stephen Amell, basically, that his time as Green Arrow was over, it needed to be done with, the show needed, if they were going to continue on, needed to be revamped and have somebody else take over. Um, and to me, the issue of, you know, the show Arrow and everything like that isn't necessarily the characters or the the cast members or anything that and you know mark will will get into this but it's just a couple minor things but at the end of the day do like i I don't think that we should be at this point of the height of the comic book era where you know in the 80s and 90s we were to kill to have all this stuff you know and now we're we're at the height of all this where we got comic books tv shows video games, movies, and everything, to the point where we're going to be that picky and get on the internet and start writing all these, you know, Dear John letters, and, you know, this is how your show needs to be fixed, this is how your film needs to be fixed, That it's just, it boggles my mind, so, just focusing on Arrow, um, this week's episode, Mark, you, you did the review on it, and you said basically that it wasn't bad, but it wasn't great, and you had some ideas on basically, um, you know, not necessarily like changing the show too much, but you can see where the, the flaws and why people um, maybe aren't being gravitated back to the show like they once were. What were your thoughts on it? Yeah, so, you know, I, I wrote um, the review last night, but then I also wrote um, an article just saying how, you know, if I think that with its current standing, if a couple things are, and, and they are fairly minor tweaks, aren't changed, season six could be its last, just mainly basing it off of um, kind of the, uh, just the following it's had um, last season, and then it spiked again a little bit this season, and it's kind of um, not really gone down a lot, but, you know, just kind of plateaued just a little bit, um, and by all means, I definitely don't want season six to be the last. I am a huge Arrow advocate. It is my show through and through. Um, I, I would love for it to continue on. Um, I was mainly writing it more in the sense of um, some of the issues that I see that I feel that those are the reasons holding fans back. Um, and it's definitely not the characters or actors and actresses at all. Um, I honestly think all of the actors and actresses and even characters are are 
great. They're outstanding. I think it's how they're being used. Right. Is, um, or the amount that they're being used is the issue. Not the characters themselves, but their screen time or the balancing of them, I think, is, um, you know, kind of the issue. Um, my main thing with that is, first of all, Stephen Amell is Oliver Queen. He is Green Arrow. I think he's done an excellent job, and I think he continues to do an excellent job. Um, he's the reason why we all fell in love with the show. Yep, without I think a doubt. where some of the frustration comes into play is that we're not seeing as much of him as we originally... That how, We're not seeing as much of him as we did in earlier seasons that drew us into it. Um, you know, for instance, like, yes, he's there, but even uh, last episode, which I honestly thought this week's episode, I thought it was, I thought it was good. I thought it was fine. There were some, you know, um, I think it's getting better. I think there's still can work on some things, but I think it was better than some of the other ones. Um, but I think we're, we're seeing a lot of mayor queen, which I understand why they're doing that. You know, they want, like, I get it. Oliver wants to control, he wants to control the city to help it in the daylight as the mayor and at night as a green arrow. Like, you know, I completely get it. But I think a lot of the appeal that um, many of us had, including myself, was, you know, kind of the same appeal that we get from Batman. You know, he's this, he's this figure at night that's saving the city that's intriguing but then is this kind of facade of the billionaire playboy. And when he does that billionaire playboy, people would never think, well, that's the person that would be Green Arrow, right? Right. Where now you're getting a lot of people who are figuring it out. Um, and yeah, I it's kind of like the worst kept kind of, secret. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. You know, it was, and then it, it, they almost kind of alluded, because obviously Susan Williams, but then – you almost got this sense at the end of it um, this week where um, Captain Pike was like, that's funny. That's the same thing the mayor said. And it's like, come on, you got to be kidding me. Like, don't don't right. do that. Don't even mm-hmm. go there. Right. Um, so like, I think for me, it's it and what it may be with other fans, it's more of a, a balance issue, a, a balance of either screen time or characters or whatever. Um, like I said, the, the, the idea of the team that they have now, Team Arrow, um, I don't mind the team itself, honestly. I actually thought during the, the gun control um, episode, uh, getting Wild Dog's backstory, I thought was really interesting and well done. Dude, I'm glad you brought that um, up because that, that, w- that episode all right, was like – that was a deep episode, but I'm glad they did it because Wild Dog's character was kind of that m- missing – like like you didn't really have that background to it and stuff. And so you couldn't really emotionally attach to him. But after seeing that and how he, you know, he lost his wife and then losing his daughter like that, that really made him you know, uh, more of a, a character that I could, I could relate to in, in a sense. Right, and I thought they handled that extremely well. Where some of the other um, stories have been centered on some of the um, other characters haven't been as, as well developed, I don't think. But I think what it comes down to, at least for me, I don't want to speak for anybody else, but at least for me is I, I want to see – this is Oliver's journey. I want to see Oliver's journey. 
I want to see him continue to grow and develop as Green Arrow. Um, and not that the other support characters can't be in there, but to to have a, a you know have the balance be a little bit different and maybe have it more Oliver centric, which is somewhat what it seems like it's going towards. And you know, I don't know, but just by the preview for next week, it still seems like it'll be a little bit more. Uh, for Mayor Oliver, but it does seem to be kind of getting back towards, um, you know, Oliver himself. And I think you brought up a good point. We talked about this the other day where, you know, Arrow has a couple more episodes uh, this season, doesn't it? Yep, Isn't it's, that right? Is that um, what said? Yeah, I think we're at six or seven more episodes to the season yeah. finale. Yep. So, you know, with that and it not taking that other hiatus, you know, I think that it, so I think the the writers probably have these extra episodes and they're like, okay, well, we need to obviously do something with them and we don't want to rush towards the end. So I think that's probably what we're kind of getting into as well. And I think some of the nitpicky aspect, and I've even had it too, so I'm not saying that I haven't nitpicked it. Right. But I think some of it too was because the first half of season five was so awesome that like it hit a little bit of, like I said, a plateau or a lull. So I think that's where some of the disappointment is is stemming from, I guess. Um, and probably in the back of some people's minds, honestly, is, oh, man, I don't want this to turn into a season four again. You know, not saying that it would, because I honestly don't think it will. But I think that's kind of there. I think season four kind of left a bad taste in some people's mouths. Um, and I think that's where some of the kind of pickiness is coming from is like, well, if it doesn't do this, then it's going to go back to that. Yeah, I mean, I, I get that. I get that people don't want a, another Damien Dark, you know, type saga right. again and stuff like that. But to me, I, you know, you're not going to have all the, the great seasons. Like, every season's not going to be great. And, you know, I granted, I'll admit, the season four was probably the 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 worst one of, out of all the Arrow seasons and stuff like that. And it's kind of like <clears throat> in my reviews right now of season three of The Flash that... This show started on such a high note that it's progressively gotten a little bit slower and slower. But I don't think mm-hmm. that it's it's a it's a point of like we need to fix it and all that kind of stuff. And so like to my my view on this is that I think that in uh, I think it's a it's a bad rap that the DCEU gets is that there's so many critiques towards this show and stuff like that. And uh, I mean. To me, we we need as fans need to enjoy this, you know, enjoy the ride that we're on right now because, you know, what's to say that in another five years or so or less than that that, you know, Hollywood decides to go away from all this comic book stuff, you know, let's hope not, but ends up going in a different direction and then we're stuck watching, you know, The Bachelor and Bachelorette on TV and then we're stuck watching, you know, um, <clears throat> Water for Elephants at the movie theater and stuff like that. You know, I just I like. I think that the DCEU gets a lot of bad rap. Um, and, you know, there are some valid arguments. I think that the constructive criticisms of, like, the seasons, the way they go and stuff. But when I saw that article talking about how Stephen Amell wasn't, you know, uh, needed to go away as the Green Arrow and stuff like that, that got me, you know, fired up and everything. I just couldn't, like, why would you say that? Because a guy basically ushered in a, a channel that now just focuses basically on all DC three nights a week. It was four nights a week. Well, it will be four nights a week probably next year. Um, 
uh, when Black Lightning comes in and, you know, what's to stop it from adding another, you know, DC show so we can get DC television five nights a week, you know. Like Kevin Smith mm-hmm. even says it's the CW just needs to be called DC TV, you know. That's well, it. and, yeah, well, and, in, you know, in regards to that as well, <clears throat> you know, I, I agree. Like, are there things that could be fixed? Absolutely. You know, I, I had talked about that, but it's not, it's not the actors and the actresses, right. you know <clears throat> what I mean? It's, um... Like, even if, if you're going to talk about Gotham, you know, it's been off for a little while, but, like, I know some people don't like Gordon's character. That It's it's not Ben McKenzie. Who's, like, it's not his... Like, you know what I mean? Like, he's... I think he's a good actor. You know, right. I think... Oh, without a doubt. I think he's know, done a good I, job as Commissioner Gordon. A young Commissioner Gordon yeah, that we have never seen. Right. It's not him. I think sometimes the actors and actresses get a bad rap, but it's it's the writing at times. Like, I mean, this is quite the extreme, but like, I'm not saying George Clooney was the best Batman, but like, let's also be real. Like, it's not like he had the best writing either. Oh right? man. That was, <laughs> so I mean? yeah. Okay. So, so that is like, to me, that's the example that people need to trash. Like, you know, it, it wasn't acting, but it was a lot of bad things and stuff like that. Um, you know, that sure, goes into right. editing, into script, into you know, into directing right, and so right, forth. Right. That just basically, you know, every single Arnold Schwarzenegger pun from Mister Freeze, you know, just right, needed, right. It was it, it basically was made into yeah. A show. There are a lot of bad elements. But though. here's another example, like well, I, is is Suicide Squad, right? Everybody was on board to trash that movie because all the reviewers came out. So you and I have mm-hmm. talked at links about this uh, that. In my eyes, granted, there are some issues with the editing of Suicide Squad and the pa- sure. and the pace of it. But what to me, what was the biggest issue that could have just saved the movie? But I mean, it is what it is. You just you got to go roll with it. Right. Was the villain okay? You know. Yeah. Yep. The, to that was right. the issue. If you had made Joker the villain of Suicide Squad, done. You know, without right, a doubt, sure. it, it, it would have been. But. You had a character, um, you know, two characters, that, you know, that, you know, into witchcraft and sorcery that not many people understand, not many, not many people had a background on. They were, they just didn't pick up on it. And that's why Suicide Squad failed. But at the same time, me as a, as a, as a fan, I'm not going out and saying, like, this is the worst movie of all time. This is horrible and stuff like that. I enjoyed 90% of the movie, the last 10 minutes of it. Yeah, right. not so much in everything. Um, so and it wasn't, it wasn't you know what director's fault. It wasn't a, um, you know, it it wasn't a, you know any actor's fault. That it was just one small, not small, but one choice on who the villain should have been. It could have been Joker, Deathstroke, and stuff. So I think that the DCEU gets in a in a sense like a bad rap for things that you know the word nitpicking on. You know, and just saying, okay. Can I ask you a, a, a question? And What's this that? is, I mean, we're kind of sorry. You were just talking about Suicide Squad. And, I mean, it, well, DC TV, obviously, it can't really compare with anything from Marvel TV. But just in general, do you think DC is criticized more than Marvel? Without a because doubt. Marvel yeah. kind of started the getting the ball rolling i guess and here's the deal is here's the reason why i think marvel gets away with a lot more than than the others and it's basically because of uh robert downey jr being iron man um and that's it Mm. they they hit it out of the park with iron man iron man one was Mm -hmm. without a doubt 
was the biggest home run that Marvel has done. But here's the problem, is that when you start talking about <clears throat> X-Men Last Stand, when you start talking about, you know, even though I liked them, The Amazing Spider-Man with uh, Andrew Garfield and stuff, people just mm. say, oh, well, that was in Marvel Studios, that was Sony, and that was Fox. Yeah, but it's still Marvel no, right, prices. Sure. And if you look at the Marvel movies, and it's a trend that they keep going, not necessarily downward spirals, but they're not making nearly as much money as they once were. You know, Captain America well, has I, to I have mean, 50 yeah, the, characters the, in his movies for the, for it to do well. If you just right. did a solo Captain America right. film, not many people would come to it. You look at Captain sure. America First Avenger, it did okay, but it didn't do great. And so they and what do they do in Winter Soldier? They bring in, you know, the Winter Soldier. They bring in Falcon. They bring in Nick Fury. They they make sure that uh, right. Black Widow's in it and stuff. And they make it a spy movie. And they make it, you know, you know that um, Hydra is the main villain and is taking over Shield and everything. And then Civil War. Mm-hmm. So I know that everybody likes Civil War, but to me as a comic book fan, not saying it was a bad movie, but it needed a different name because ultimately I'm. Uh, I'm attached to the comic book version of Civil War. So when yeah. they made that announcement right. that they are going to have Captain America Civil War, I'm thinking, okay, you know, follow the storyline where you have a young group of uh, of heroes trying to stop a villain. He Nitro, he blows up an entire school, and that causes a mass chaos of the uh, Superhero Registration Act. But what we got in that movie was right. something totally different, and it had to deal with the sure. soldier and stuff. And so to me, like... I like Civil War, but not as much as everybody else that don't that didn't read the comic books. I think that's where uh, like I, I see a difference. Not saying that Marvel's bad, <clears throat> you know, and that they're sure, right. and stuff. But what I think is is that because of the Robert Downey Jr. effect, they get a you know they get a, a pass on a lot of things. Well, pass. Sure. And what movie did uh, the DCEU start off with? It was Ryan Reynolds with Green Lantern. And that was yeah. that was you know in a sense bad. I mean, there is no sure no doubt about it. So when you start your foot on a bad foot, start off on a bad foot, it's bad. But let's look at TV wise. <clears throat> so DC TV, what's the first show? Arrow knocks it out of the park. Mm-hmm. And look what's the result of it. Now you have Supergirl, Flash. Oh yeah. You have Legends of Tomorrow, which is to me, uh, uh, to me, it's my favorite show, Legends, because it makes fun of itself. It, it doesn't take itself so seriously, and I think, you know, that that it's just a good change of pace. Um, but I think too, where where it, the the nitpickiness probably comes in, and I don't think you know, oftentimes people realize it, but Arrow season one and season two, unbelievable, awesome, yeah, Flash season one, awesome, great. So I think a lot of times when it's just knocked out of the park so early, expectations are so high. You know what I mean? Right. No, I get and it. And when it. expectations are so high and they're not – I don't want to say lived up to because like I, on, I do – I like season five of Arrow. Um, obviously, there could be – some changes but but it's funny because when i went back and watched seasons one and two of arrow there were actually a handful of episodes in season two of arrow that i really could have done without i'm like that was okay but you think of the the big overall picture of it right right you know what i mean so i think a lot of times when and even for me personally you know i think 
you know, when I'm thinking of some of these episodes, I'm like, oh my gosh, this isn't what I was I was hoping for. I'm thinking of like all of season two. I'm thinking of all of season one, where they had their episodes as well that were meh, you know, without a hit or miss. Um, but you know, I think if you look at season five overall, Tobias Church, that was awesome. The idea of Prometheus is awesome. Has it had its lull? Yeah. But I think, like I said, if you look back at, at all the episodes, even season one of Flash, you're bound to find those episodes. But I, I think oftentimes they're compared to the end result. Um, each episode is compared to the end result rather than, you know, kind of breaking it apart. No, yeah, I definitely agree. And, you know, but here's my issue is that <clears throat> where is the criticism of Marvel when it comes to this stuff, you know, like that? And because Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D., that's that mm-hmm. show is not nowhere near is where it was hyped up to be. It was supposed to be this groundbreaking, you know, TV show where it was going to be linked to the movie universe, and that <clears throat> during right. the time periods of, you know, of what was going on in the movie films, you were going to get what was going on in Agents of Shield all linked together, and that kind of went away. The big blockbuster event was the reveal of Hydra and Shield, and that was unbelievable. But then. Marvel kind of just let it go. But no one criticizes sure. Agent of S.H.I.E.L.D. like that. And then, you know, you have the Netflix series with Daredevil, with um, Jessica Jones, Luke Cage, and you have Iron Fist coming out next month and everything. Um, and, dude, Daredevil was great, and it started off on a great note. So it allows Jessica Jones to come in and Luke Cage to come in and, you know, and ride on that, on, on that wave and everything. But no one you know, looks at it and says, oh, th- you know, this episode is bad or this actor needs to change. I think the, like, DC universe, you know, just gets a bad rap because of, number one, what it started off with in the movie verse of it, which is, which is um, you know, with Ryan Reynolds being Green Lantern and that, you know, that didn't settle right when, it, you know, that, that panned. But then also, because Arrow, Supergirl, Flash you know, and legends are on regular cable TV and not on something like Netflix where you can push the boundaries even more. I think that more people are, are more critical because, well, you know, why is an arrow following in the suits of like what Daredevil is doing on Netflix and everything. But to me, you got to think about it in the big picture. <clears throat> Look how well DC is doing in the comic book industry. Look how de- well they're doing in the TV industry. How well they're doing in the cartoon industry and stuff. It's not as bad as everyone thinks. I think that you know all this mm-hmm. nitpicking is going on. You know, at the end of the day, we're in a height that needs to be celebrated and not looked at as okay. What do we need to do to fix this show and this show and this show? To me, it's like you know, <laughs> enjoy enjoy what you got while you got it. You know, some people out there. Man, they don't understand how good it is, and to just nitpick and nitpick and nitpick. Eventually, Warner Brothers is gonna say, "You know what? Forget this. I'm done, and we're moving on to something else." Yeah. So, am I going too far on this, or what? No, you know, I, I think I, I definitely understand what you're saying. I think, like I said, I think I. I... I get what, like I said, I, I understand because, you know, I've been pretty nitpicky with some of it as well. But, like I said, I think when I, I'm nitpicky, what I'm seeing are things that 
can be fixed. And it's not like a big wholesale type of type right. of deal, you know. But I think what I and I think what I'm picking up more from you, and correct me if I'm wrong, is that there seems to be. It's not even the fact that people are scrutinizing it as much, but the fact that DC gets much more scrutiny than Marvel or anything else. Without a doubt. I mean, without a doubt, I think. is and it, yeah. it, it is just not, like, just Marvel Studios, but you look at Fox, uh, you know, with X-Men, Sony with Spider-Man and everything. You know, it, to me, like, no one goes on and criticizes, you know those pro, you know programs and and properties then right. you know more than what goes on with the DC universe. I think it's just a popular thing. I guess I, sure. like, I didn't jump on the bandwagon with it and because I was always a DC fan as a kid. Well, I'm, I'm a comic book fan in general, you know, I'll always be, you know, right. a fan of all comic books, but I don't get this. When I saw that you know editorial on, you know, fixing the DC TV universe and getting rid of Stephen Amell, I just you know, it's it's not as bad as everybody thinks. Granted, are the some of the seasons starting to to blend in? Sure, but just like you know, what's going on with Flash? So let's jump into that. Um, so on the Flash this week, you know, I've been kind of critical of this season just because of the. It seems like it's been very very repetitive for just Flash in general as a show. That it's mm-hmm. you know speedster versus speedster. How do I stop him? He's faster than me. And then we get this: the Gorilla Grodd comes back, and it's a two-part event. And to me, this like I texted you when I was watching the show, but I thought this was the best episode of the Flash period. You know, seasons one, two, and three. Like I've never seen anything like this, and like the the CGI that they put into this was amazing. And I think that more Gorilla Grodd is needed for, for something like the flash. Cause I think I'm just speedstered out a little bit. I don't, I don't know. Um, you know, it was a good, nice, good break to see something besides a, a general <laughs> meta human or a speedster going up against Barry. Um, right. What, what were your thoughts of this episode? Well, and not only that, but one of the, what, I mean, it, not only just the, not just a meta, but like, it's like, Gorilla Grodd is one of Flash's like all time, like one of his all time enemies. Right. You know. And I think you um, go past like. Yeah, so, I liked. I'm. He he's been like the the villain. If you go past the, you know into the Silver Age and you know into that era, Gorilla Grodd yeah. is more or less because Reverse Flash is a newer villain. So, you know the Speedster concept yeah. is is new. So Gorilla Grodd to me is is more of like Batman versus Joker to me, being a fan of the Flash. Sure. Uh huh. Yeah, and you know, I think for me, like, I really enjoyed the episode, but I'm honestly looking forward to next week's episode even more. I think, um, just because I, I don't know, something about Grodd being like in the city, and I don't, I don't know. I just think it's, it's really, it looks really good. Um, yeah, I, I agree with you. Where uh, it, we kind of talked about this jokingly. Obviously, we were you know, being a little critical, but I, I do feel like sometimes DC, they're like, when something works, like, Hey, if it's Go with not it. broke, don't fix it. Right. So, you know, flat flash, you have a ton of speedsters, right? Which is fine. And you know, I don't mind, but it's kind of like you said, you know, cause if you think about it, you have obviously Barry and Wally and Jesse, um, <clears throat> reverse flashes around there somewhere. And, um, uh, black flashes, Savitar yeah. and, um, 
Black Flash. So, you know, there are, there are out there. And then we kind of talked about that with Arrow, too, how, you know, so many people, so many archers and catching arrows and this and that. Right. Um, but, yeah, it was it was it was nice to get a little break from that. And the thing that I, I like about Gorilla Grodd is um, obviously his, you know, his mental powers but also the one time when like he still when he was when he was looking at caitlin like he still cared about her because she treated him well you know what i mean it's like he hasn't forgotten that even though he has this you know he's taking over this sort of thing like he had he hadn't forgotten that still so i thought it was a it was a good episode you know who i actually like on the episode is um Julian, I like his character. The Indiana Jones um, wannabe. He's an interest. Yeah, that was so funny. Yeah. yeah, he's an interesting mix to the team, and I wasn't sure about it at first, but I think he compliments him. I think he compliments him well. So yeah, and you know, uh, I've wrote in this, but dude, the the credit for this episode to me was goes to Tom Cavanaugh acting like he was being possessed by uh, by Grodd and standing there. To me, look, the guy has played. The, the character of Harrison Wells in, in like five different versions of it. And I mean, it's just, it gets better and better each time. Yeah. You know, e- even the scene where it was HR <clears throat> seeing Earth 2 Wells and stuff like <laughs> that kind of, you know, back and forth banter between the two. I mean, that was, it's beautiful what Tom Cavanaugh can do as an actor. It's, it's, it's amazing. Um, but yeah, I think the, Character of Julian being brought into the show as a good dynamic, like, and I've, I've kind of mentioned that before in my reviews, um, that now that Cisco is more partnered up with HR, it seemed like Caitlin was about to get lost and you yeah. know, forgotten about, but now bringing Julian in, it kind of balances it back out again and stuff like that. And then putting him in there like that, looking like Indiana Jones and everything, I thought it was great. Instead of him just jumping in and saying, so I want to go, have him dress up like Indiana Jones and you know bring his gun and everything, yeah, that was a good good way to to add to the to the episode. And, but the even the, the fight I feel scene, bad for Caitlin because I... Oh no, yeah, go yeah. Ahead. Go ahead with the oh, uh, with fight Caitlin. scene. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. No, I was just gonna say I I just kind of feel bad for Caitlyn because I feel like every season, like her love significant in... other is either like a bad guy or was a bad guy or change. You know what I mean? It's yeah. Just people like, wonder why she's going to turn know, to kill a frog. There was Ronnie, and we don't. Have... Yeah, yeah. And then Jake, Eric, and then it's just like one one after another. I'm like, oh man. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, it's it's it, you. People are like, I don't understand. How could she turn into Killer Frost? Well, think about it, dude. <clears throat> you know, every man she's fallen yeah, in love with you know, leaves her or dies. So, I mean, have a cold heart now. Yeah. <laughs> right. Yeah, but yeah, I know. I'm definitely looking forward to next uh, next week's episode with the the attack on you know on Star City or uh, Central City. You know that to me seeing. Not just one grod, but multiple grods taking over the town and stuff like that will definitely be something to enjoy. Oh, it was a cool little twist that I, I thought, yeah, I thought it was a cool little twist there at the end too. How he's sitting there talking, and then all of a sudden you see Gypsy there, right? Which is interesting because when Gypsy last left, she seemed, you know, like she was obviously, 
you know, fr- uh, friends with every, you know, with Cisco and all of them. And maybe it's just Grodd has, you know, kind of possessed her, uh, sort of an issue maybe, but, um, that was a, that was an interesting little, little twist there at the end too. Right. Yeah. Um, and it's good how they're starting to like, not just forget these characters. Cause that was one thing that like, uh, the first two seasons of flash, they would introduce these characters and just kind of forget about them and, you know, sometimes they would show back up, sometimes they wouldn't. So I was glad to see that, you know, as a character like Gypsy, you know, um, have some sort of linkage to another episode and bring her back. It's it's kind of like, a, what did I tell you on the... Sure. With uh, Arrow, how they... It's like they have to have their one episode every season with uh, Cupid on there and stuff. It just seems like, oh, here's <laughs> Cupid, the one episode. Yeah. We still yeah. have Cupid, guys. Don't forget about her. You know, yep, she's still around. Yep, don't forget I mean, that's cool. It, it does bring, like, you know, it does connect them together. And, like, I kind of wrote my article, like, I, that, that part was cool. I mean, I, I thought it, they were, it was a little reflective of, obviously, um, you know, Gotham City Sirens a little bit, but mm-hmm. the, the, the link up of the three was a little odd to me, but it was still cool seeing the three of them. You know what I mean? Just oh, to have yeah. that I connection mean, was... to past seasons. I thought that was cool. Yeah, it was definitely cool to see that. And that's that's good that you re, you know you keep reusing yeah. characters that people have somewhat of a bond to and stuff. I mean, there's definitely... Um, sure. You know, uh, a group of people that are Cupid fans or, uh, you know... Oh, yeah, absolutely. You, you know, at least knowledgeable of Cupid and stuff. So it was good to see... Right, you know, her yeah. get her her one episode, back. And especially. Well, I mean, even with uh, you know China, the China White character. Yep. I mean, she was a pretty. I mean, what was season one? Season, season one, one and right? season or two, because two. season two was the flashbacks I've, with her going. Um, and and or season three. Two. I'm sorry, season three was is that's that, when you yeah, went to China, right. right? Yes. Yeah, season three. So was yeah, her. I mean, you know, having having that, you know, I thought. I thought that was, um, yeah, like a, a nice little touch there. Um, I know we kind of jumped from Flash and, and back to Arrow a little bit, but one thing I did um, want to say about Arrow, uh, I thought it started off really in a really great way with the whole Claiborne sort of thing, like yeah. going to see Clay, um, Claiborne's it looked like ex-wife. Um, I still think that it being his son is a smokescreen, uh, but I think. I think it's, you know, cool that they're that they're doing that. I mean, if you think about that, they did the same type of thing with like, you know, Brother Blood and um even with Malcolm Merlin. And right. so I think um having that even having that connection though, like they didn't it's like they dug it up, but it's a really cool connection now that you look back at it. Like who would have thought like, you know, when you're first watching that Arrow episode in season 1 where he kills Claiborne, like you're kind of like, oh, okay, well, he was, you know, kind of a minor character, but to see it kind of play out large in that, I think is a, I think it's pretty cool how they're doing that. Right, yeah, and it's, it's, I mean, it was well thought out, well played, you know, it's a little bit better than somehow the, the flashbacks have been working, you know, and Stephen Amell did admit this week that right. after really season two, the flashbacks were kind of just made up on the fly because they didn't real really think about what would be the, the, lasting impact of these flashbacks and everything so going to china going to russia was kind of these things that they kind of just threw together but this is something that i think they really thought sure. they really put together peacefully well but i still think that the whole prometheus character is still more than just that one 
kid or whatever, you know, who lost their dad from. Oh, absolutely. Yeah, I think this because is because I think a little bit more. If it was, if it was that, yeah, if it was that kid, like, and there's that reveal, I think it'd be so like anticlimactic. But yeah, I agree with that. I think it's more, and I think one of my favorite episodes though from this season was the one where um it like prometheus had green era retrace all the steps right that, oh that was a good from one. where he killed yeah. claiborne and like everybody was like set up that was really awesome i thought that was so well done because it like brought the flashbacks current with the the present and that that was really well done and i think sometimes that's what um gets lost are episodes like that when um we and i'll say we because you know i get involved with it too uh get nitpicky about certain things you know because that was an an extremely well done episode yes um and it looks like we might start getting more of that um you know with vigilante next um next weekend it looks like prometheus again and i'm hoping to start seeing a little bit more of artemis because you know she's out there somewhere yeah, yeah, I mean, she just kind of dropped off, you know, the the face of the earth after yeah. she switched sides. So it would be interesting to see when when and where she does come back. Um, So jumping kind of around, Legends of Mara, what did you think about that episode going to Camelot? To me, that was probably the, f- like, greatest but, like, also funniest episode I've ever seen. Yeah, it was pretty good. I, I tell you, the thing that I think I enjoyed, honestly, with it was them bringing back in more of the Justice Society members. Yes, that was a good Because it was kind of, you know, because it, it, it started off the season with the Justice Society. I was like, oh, that's awesome, you know, because it's it's a group that obviously isn't really dealt with as much. Um, and then it was just kind of the one or two episodes, obviously, aside from Vixen, which was fine. Uh, but to start seeing a lot of them uh, come back, I thought was really, really interesting. So I thought that was good. Yeah, I think that that and then it was kind of like, what did I um, what, what's the the restaurant that you go to to watch the medieval times? Like to me when I was oh, yeah, watching yeah. it, I was literally like, "Oh my god, I'm watching like an episode of Medieval Times and everything." And then and Ray had like his lightsaber esque, yep. <laughs> but don't call it that; it's trademarked and everything. Oh, like and that's what yeah, I that love about funny. Legends is that it always finds a way to like incorporate a Star Wars joke into it and stuff. Um, yeah, yeah. Well, I thought it was good too because even though it is kind of the, you know, kind of more lighthearted, but it still has some depth to it as well. Like when Vixen was mad at um, Sarah and kind of just went off on her. I was like, well, maybe that's the reason why we don't win a lot of the battles. I was like, Ooh, wow. A little chippy. And so, you know, yeah, even though it's, it's lighthearted, it still has some, some depth to it, which I enjoy. What about the fact that Sarah constantly hooks up with just some random girl from the past? To me, that is like. Here's my thing with it. I feel like. First, let me preface. I I don't care that Sarah's gay. Like that's fine. But like, I feel like they try and almost push it in your face to think like. But but at the same time, it's odd because it makes 
what happened in season one of Arrow so, like, I don't know, kind of, I don't want to say it, like, lessened the impact of it, but it's like, it's. I feel like they want you to, like, completely forget about that or something. You right. know what I mean? Yeah. <laughs> because obviously, obviously she, she hooked up with Oliver, but, like, that was really the whole preface of season one and two was the outcome of that. You know, and like that led to her getting her training and all this. And then I, I don't know. I what I'm guessing is when um, the episode where she and uh, Nisa Algul uh, kissed or whatever. You remember that? Right. From Arrow? Yeah. Mm-hmm. I think I mean, I remember watching it. I was just surprised just because I didn't see it coming. I'm sure it got some sort of a shock value. And I don't know if they're trying to just like, I don't know, just kind of. I think they're just trying to go that. for a Guinness Book yeah, of World I, Record. I, I, I really think that that's what it is. Is like, let's see how many. Yeah, it's just like, oh, okay. How many girls uh, Sarah can hook up with in one season? <laughs> yeah, it's so weird. It's just like kind of out of the blue. But I don't make. I don't know. Maybe they're making a statement and saying like, you know, this isn't uncommon. This has been around for ages. I don't know. You know, who knows? Hey, you know, whatever works. If that's what keeps people watching the show, then go yeah, for well, it. Whatever. So, I mean, yeah. You but it is, it's hilarious. I was just like, every week, it's like, what girl is she going to hook up with next? And it started out in the first episode, and it's gone every single week. This is funny. Um, right. All right. Uh, kind of wrapping things up this week on the television realm. Uh, so, WWE, um, we had, and it's, to me, you know, right now, SmackDown is has got the edge over Raw. Um, and this week on SmackDown... There was two yeah. significant matches. Um, we'll talk about the first one being Nikki Bella versus Natalia. And I told you this early, but and I even put this up on Twitter. But to me, that was the match of the uh, of the show, and that was like old school match that I hadn't seen in a long time. And from it being a, a women's match, I was really impressed because the last time I'd seen some kendo sticks come out in a, in a women's match, I, I can't even remember <laughs> that. But the way that that whole match played out was great. In, in I haven't seen the Kendo Sticks since like Ken Blackman. Oh, Steve I know. Blackman. Seriously, dude. Like I saw it when when uh, what was it when Nikki pulled up the 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 curtain on the the side of the ring and she was pulling out the table and I saw the Kendo Sticks lay in there. I was like, oh man, are they gonna get the Kendo Sticks out? And then she pulls the table out. I was like, oh, just the table. And then they th- Natalia throws the table back under and then Nikki get, yeah, grabs the the Kendo Stick. I was like, yes. That was, I mean, overall, just a great match. Cause that, yeah, absolutely. It, it was extremely well done. Like I said, it it reminded of of hardcore matches prior to really the depth of attitude here. You know, not the crazy stuff, but it reminded me of that. And anything goes, you know, which is how the I feel like the hardcore titles started. Yeah, it was really cool to see that. And, you know, there's a lot of um, pretty decent episodes that are are matches on SmackDown as well. Like, I, I agree with you. I think it still has the upper hand right now as well. Um, I think, you know, I mean, Raw's fine. I just think that I honestly think it's too long. It's just it's it's yeah, the third hours, hour you know? is is, is um, killer. <laughs> and well, especially when I read an article and they were talking about when Bailey won the title and the demographics that for really their reasoning for having Bailey weren't even 
watching it then because you know they want it to be kind of younger i don't know teenage or pre-teenage girls following bailey and most of them were probably in bed or like two you know what i mean right so yeah i don't know i think it's just a little long i think i don't know sometimes i honestly think they'd almost do better if they just had like a two-hour raw a two-hour SmackDown, and even did something like they used to have with Sunday Night Heat. Remember Sunday Night Heat? It was right. just one hour, and you know, it was it was maybe yeah, some lower card people, but still though, it was. I mean, I used to watch it. I was like, oh, huh, I wonder what's going on here. You know what I mean? I think it just kind of helps break it up, or or do a little like, bit more. Yeah, um, um, do it like a whoa. What was the show that you said? But to put the third hour of Raw on WWE Network and say, like, if you want to watch the third hour, sure, yeah. you know, go on the WWE Network and stuff right. and, and do it that way. But, yeah, I agree. The third, like, the three hours of right. Raw, basically, it now stretches out into these long promos that you yeah, kind of get bored with and everything. And, you know, it's nothing really right. enticing and stuff. Um, and, but I think that's what keeps SmackDown fresh is that it's – you know, you can't spend too much time on promos because then you're cutting into match time. And so you have to get in, get out, and keep moving on, keep moving forward. Yep. Um, so the Nikki Bella and Natalia match ended up in a weird situation where Natalia gets to win because of Maris um, basically interfering right there in the end. But the highlight of the match was when... Nikki Bella gets thrown into or throws Natalia into Maurice and that was hilarious it looked legit real like I thought for a second there like wait a minute she was supposed to move out of the way and didn't and get cuts caught up in that and that was to me was hilarious uh, yeah it looked like she was just like walking by in the background and then got like blasted and then, oh yeah but didn't she come out with like a a pipe. What was it? Like a bat or a pipe or yeah. something? Yeah, a pipe. And I was like, I was like, oh gosh, <laughs> like where, where the hell did you get a pipe? Yeah, like, like yeah, oh yeah, without a doubt. It was like, where did you yeah. get the pipe from? So that yeah, event right. ends up will have a, an effect and later on. Um, I don't know if it's a direct effect, but what's going to set it up is for a WrestleMania match and. But the end of the SmackDown, we had another Royal Rumble since Randy Orton will not face Bray Wyatt because they're blood brothers now or something. I, I, st- I still don't get it, that storyline. Um, so <laughs> they had to find somebody to face Bray Wyatt at WrestleMania. And, of course, John Cena's in there with The Miz. Well, Cena eliminates The Miz, and then The Miz somehow jumps back in and... St- rules i've never heard of before but if you're eliminated you can get back into the ring and eliminate someone else and so miz eliminated cena um and they called it legal which yeah, i've never so weird yeah i've never seen that before um you know maybe yeah. one of the newer i was rules. so confused yeah yeah um but it's what's setting that up is for wrestlemania it's going to be nikki bella versus john cena or nikki bella and john cena versus the miz and maris and supposedly it's going to be Nikki Bella's last match that her, basically her neck is not holding up as as, as strong as they thought after their post-surgery um, recovery. So uh, I'll be interesting to see. But the, the Royal Rumble ends up with a controversial ending. Well, they want to make it controversial because you had AJ Styles and Luke Harper at the end and... Both seemed to fall at the same time, but when you really look at it, it was AJ Styles hit the ground, but they couldn't decide who or what. So 
It looks like we're going to get a AJ Styles versus Luke Harper match. But our very own Tim Johnson, you know, basically, who's in the know of WWE, has said that it's going to be a three-way match now for WrestleMania where it will be Luke Harper, Bray Wyatt versus Randy Orton. And that will be interesting to see uh, for the title. Um, but do you like that direction that the WWE, or at least SmackDown's going, you know, that way? Uh, y- yeah, um... I think I I prefer the Wyatt family when they were a a group. Right. I just I don't know they were really interesting to me, and they gave me this <clears throat> excuse me they gave me this like almost Undertaker ministry vibe a little bit, which yep. I liked. Um, but and I know they're trying to do their own thing, and I I think they're good wrestlers. I think their characters are still really intriguing, and I think that does bring an interesting layer to it. If it is Bray Wyatt and uh, Luke Harper and um, uh, Randy Orton, because I don't know, for some reason I have a feeling that something would happen somewhere that would be unexpected. So yeah, you know, I I think it's, it's interesting. Um, I think, you know, it it has potential. Um, We'll see what they do with it. But I mean, I still agree that SmackDown is, kind of winning the battle right now yeah i mean and really the only thing you got to hold it on you know to to raw right now is goldberg versus brock lesnar you know because um the the friendship of kevin owens and jericho is no more um which i will say that was a funny bit though with jericho getting all the gifts for for kevin owens um the the painting was was kind of my favorite. The, oh, that was so funny! And then the sculpture awesome. and stuff like that. that that was that was pretty good. Um, so yeah, with yeah. that with that relationship ending, basically that's going to set it up where Jericho's going to screw over Kevin Owens, Goldberg wins the title, and then Brock Lesnar versus Goldberg versus uh, for the title. Which yeah, you know, it'll be entertaining for the most part. Right. Yeah. But like I said, I think. You know, we've kind of talked about it before. I think, like, the brand split is good in many ways, but at the same time, it, it limits a lot of the storytelling. Right. Um, which is what we're really seeing with the women's division there, which, you know, nothing, once again, nothing against, you know, the ladies. Their, their, their matches still continue to, you know, really um, amaze me just with their technique and how much it's grown. But, you know, like, obviously you have... Sasha Banks and Charlotte and Bailey and yeah, I mean obviously there's other ones as well but there's only so many storylines you can have with them you know what I mean until the women's division gets some some larger numbers right oh speaking of the women's division in, in SmackDown how about you that suck for Naomi having to give up the belt oh because of a knee injury oh my gosh like and, and I you thought Finn Balor right away Oh my God, Finn Balor, Daniel Bryan, and stuff. I mean, gosh, at least it was just a knee yeah. injury, and she can come back from it. But for Naomi, right. who you know has been working her ass off for as long as she has, to finally get, you know, the opportunity to defend or to to win the title and not even get to defend it—that sucks. And she won't even yeah. be like ready for WrestleMania. I felt so bad nope. for you know when when that beginning of Raw and she had a you know Daniel Bryan has her come out and stuff, and she has to give up her title like that. That was just oof rough yeah so 
All right, well, that's about it for us. We've covered, I think, as much as we're going to cover. And I think the little rant at the beginning of the, the podcast here, you know, kind of wore me down. So um, any <laughs> any type of last words you got for the listeners, Mark? Uh, no, you know, just, um, you know, we're in for another good week here coming up with some great um, – with some really great uh, episodes, um, definitely check out all of our all the other wonderful uh, writers and contributors for LRM who um, just are amazing individuals to work with and extremely talented. So if you haven't had a chance to either check out other podcasts or read any articles or interviews, um, definitely take some time to do that because they're uh, really interesting. Awesome. Um, well, that's it for me and Mark. Uh, basically, catch us next week. We'll come up with another rant to, to go on about and stuff. Hopefully, you know, it's it's more on a positive note, not on such a negative note. But uh, let us know what you guys think, and uh, we'll see you next week.